Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of uh, all kinds of information related to wellness, rejuvenating, uh, positive psychology, and my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology. As listeners to the podcast know, my goal every week is to bring you interesting guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have different ways of helping us to become the best versions of ourselves. And I've been really, really pleased with the lineup of guests that we've been able to get, and today is no exception. Tornia Anderson Morgan is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified personal trainer. She's a graduate of the University of the District of Columbia and a published author. She specializes in weight management, chronic disease management, and functional fitness. She's health forward and supports a balanced lifestyle, and certainly those of you who've been following our podcast for a while know that that is one of the things that we really promote is the the importance of a balanced lifestyle. So since we know that we're aligned, Torna, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> well, great to have you. And uh, you, your work is kind of right down our line in terms of the importance of fitness and mm-hmm. that part of our development to enable us to be the best versions of ourselves. So uh, wondering a little bit about your own journey to get to doing all these things in terms of the functional fitness, nutrition, personal training, and so on. How did, how'd you get to be you? Yeah, that's that's a good question because I don't remember as a little girl thinking, oh, I can't wait to grow up to be a dietitian. <laughs> I had no idea what it was until just a few years before uh, getting into college and learning more about health and nutrition. Um, so it started with me, myself. I'm a very curious being. So I, I feel like I'm a scientist by nature, not going out executing too many studies, but I'm a scientist by nature, very curious. I started gaining weight slowly throughout my teenage years into adulthood, starting having challenges with just overall fitness, joint pains. And I was just interested in the aesthetics. I just wanted to look good. <laughs> so I tried some supplement products that did help me to lose some weight. And it was like one of those MLM marketing um, Herbalife, if you've heard of them, I tried those products, lost some weight. And these health coaches seemed to know a lot about nutrition, a lot more than me at the time. So I, I liked learning about how do these products help me? And as I got closer to them, I got more curious and wanted to learn even more about nutrition and a health coach 
skill set on nutrition knowledge is but so much, right? <laughs> Especially if they don't have a credential degree or certification. Uh, and from there, the ball just kept going. I became a trainer because I was interested in fitness. And so I decided to go to college to, to learn more about nutrition. And here I am. <laughs> oh, great. So what? how do you spend your time then on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, so day-to-day as a dietitian, right now I'm a bariatric dietitian. So my major focus as a practitioner is health, um, weight management, weight management in that in that guard there. And uh, as a bariatric dietitian, I help patients be more equipped to take care of themselves post-op once they've had bariatric surgery. So bariatric surgery, just to be clear for anyone that may not know, it is a weight loss surgery that usually involves a surgical operation of the person's gastrointestinal, uh, their stomach. And then I prepare them to take better care of themselves after that by dietary changes and also increasing their activity. So day-to-day, I see patients, I interview them, Um, dietitian interviews tend to be nice and long and elaborate. You get into the patient's lives. We spend anywhere from 45 to an hour with them. And we learn a lot about their their day-to-day, how they work, things that they can afford, their preferences, socioeconomic status, um, just foods that they're like, their nutrition knowledge, and then try to meet them where they are and teach them how to take better care of themselves within their reach. So that's mostly what I do. <laughs> so um, if somebody doesn't get to that point where they need bariatric surgery and they don't want to get to that point, mm-hmm. are there a few kind of general tips that you can let us know that can help keep us healthier? Definitely. I would say start get started. A lot of persons, especially it's a summertime coming up now, people want to wait and put like a starting point somewhere in the distant future or maybe near future, something like New Year's Day or in the beginning of summer, I'm going to start working out because the summer is around the corner. Um, Really and truly, there's no definitive refresh in terms of improving your health because your health presentations today are a result of all of your behaviors and lifestyle from the years before. So wherever you are now, just just continue, keep going. And that can include something as small as going to see your doctor, because especially with COVID, many people have not been able to see their primary care providers or just to be in touch with their healthcare team. So you can start there, see where you are, check on your health, and do the things that most of us kind of know is a good thing. So moving a little more and eating a little less added sugar in foods, added sugar from drinks, just a little less of that, and maybe more wholesome foods. So just moving in those directions are a good start. Okay, well, this may seem like a silly question, but uh, no. <laughs> what's what's a wholesome food? How do you know whether, you know, I mean, there's that a is lot a of things that, that look like or even say health have healthy names. Mm-hmm. But, uh, sometimes we learn they're not all that healthy. So how, <laughs> what constitutes a wholesome food? And you're absolutely right. And 
sometimes there's not a hard definition, but for the most part, the wholesome foods are going to be foods that have um, a little more protein than the conventional fast foods, higher in fiber, um, and are less processed than those that are so highly processed and highly refined that a lot of the nutritional value have been stripped from the original food. So for example, like I tell my patients, something like a burger, for example, very American. Most people know what a burger is and have had one in their lifetime. You have the bread, that those buns, that's a processed food. It came from the wheat that had been processed, it went through a couple of processes before it came a bun. So it's a processed food. And nothing's wrong with having a burger or the bun. And then you have the meat. The meat will be processed as well. It was cut up. Um, it was grinded. Maybe some added salt to keep it fresh or shelf stable. Um, and then for the final sandwich, you have your added veggies and condiments and stuff in there. So generally speaking, a burger doesn't have to be something that's unhealthy, but if we take away too much of the natural nutrition and put additional things that in higher volumes usually don't benefit our health, then we will consider that a more refined, less wholesome food. So for example, if we to add a burger with say cheese, more cheese, maybe fried onions, maybe fried bacon, and some extra salt seasoning. The patty may have some extra salt. The bread itself may have some extra salt. At the end of the day, that burger may have somewhere close to half of the sodium you may need in the entire day. So because it's so high in sodium, it's maybe not the first choice. Or you can make that burger a little more wholesome by not putting too much added fried onions and maybe remove a little cheese, um, maybe no extra added salted seasonings, something like that. And instead have more fresh onions, tomatoes and lettuce. And that way we have more foods that are more natural, like the leaves of the lettuce, the fruits and vegetables, more produce. And that will make it a little more wholesome because it's much more nutritious and in favor of our health. Okay, real good advice. Uh, yeah. Now there's, I don't know, there, there's lots and lots of diets out there, and there's also an obesity epidemic. And I'm wondering, is there a general type of diet that you favor, or is it a matter of putting the brakes on, you know, and, and eating less, or what? With all these great diet ideas, supposedly. Why are people getting fatter and fatter? <laughs> That's a good question. Great observation. And uh, the studies are showing us that obesity is on the rise. A lot of chronic diseases are on the rise. Those are the trends in this country. And like you said, that's a great question. You have all these diets out there, then why isn't the country as a whole getting healthier? Well, a lot of fad diets don't work. And if they were so magical, then we will be more healthy as a country. So a lot of these diets are promoting some type of magical quick fix or, or a magical promise in a bottle or a pill or a drink or something like that. So I like to let my patients know if they do have any diagnoses for any type of chronic diseases, if they are struggling with obesity, more than likely, they didn't get there yesterday. 
They didn't arrive there at that point just two weeks ago, just two months ago. So I tell them it's going to be a little unrealistic to expect your beautifully complex body to undo years of behaviors in a matter of weeks or a couple months and undo all of those things or forcing the body to move in a very unnatural way. And that compensation usually comes at a cost. And that cost is to our health. So any diet that's promoting lose 20 pounds in two weeks, uh, detox, start over, three-day detox, 21 this, anything that's giving you a, a de definitive time period in which you can achieve some magical earnings in your health is usually not the way to go. <laughs> but on the flip side... What the science have showed us is things, uh, diets such as the DASH diet, dietary approaches to stop hypertension. That's very high in whole fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, healthy fats such as avocados and some vegetable oils. In addition, the Mediterranean diet, which is very similar, that also includes um, a healthy amount of activity, a healthy social lifestyle, and even a little bit of red wine if you want it on occasion, once or twice a week or, or once or twice for male or female. The reverse, one for female and two drinks for, for males. <laughs> you guys can enjoy twice the amount of um, some wine if you wanted to a day, and that's okay. So those two um, diets, I would say, are the ones that have been overstudied, had been shown to produce fantastic results. And again, if you were to switch to these types of diets, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to undo years of obesity or years of, of um, chronic abuse to your body in a matter of weeks or days or anything like that. Well, that's really great, realistic advice. Because I know mm -hmm. about that, that does add an element of being patient, which yeah. some of us aren't great at, but uh, it, it's good to know there is no quick fix uh, there isn't. Persistence is really an important, important thing. So along with the, the diet part of it, the other thing that a lot of people fall down on is exercise. And mm -hmm. uh, if somebody is not into it uh, or hasn't been into it, uh, number one, how important is it? I, I, I feel it's real important, but how important is it from your perspective? And how can somebody get started? Is it another kind of thing where you need patience or what? Uh, well, I guess I've asked what I can ask. Yeah, so definitely our bodies are made to move. So it's unrealistic. And these are all things I tell my patients as well. It's unrealistic to expect us to be in optimum health if we're not providing the body all that it needs and desires in the different areas of our health. So our physical health is something. And while the diet is a huge part of that, we have to move because we were made to move. So you may have heard sedentary behavior can, can be almost as impactful as someone who's smoking, for example, not quite in the exact same way, but sedentary behavior can be harmful to your health. Um, so in the middle, you have a spectrum where you may not be very active. You might just be moving day to day, like you're not on the couch all day long. So that person's on the couch all day long watching TV. 
that's your couch potato, and they may experience some adverse health effects. On the plus side, you have people that are moving a little more and they're active. Now, you mentioned some people fall short. We all fall short on exercise at some point. Not everybody enjoys exercise in the traditional way. Go to the gym and maybe have a trainer, maybe participate in some sort of classes. But I think the key is to make it fun. It's to make it some kind of fun. And not everyone is going to find being in a gym doing Zumba in tights and bright colors and like a party. Not everyone's going to enjoy that. I think that's more of an extrovert thing. But as long as you enjoy it. So the, the, the gym does not have to be the only place that you work out. Me, for example, I love to dance. I love salsa. Bachata, I love to dance and it's a bit of a high risk activity right now with COVID, <laughs> but I don't mind dancing by myself or with my partner. That's perfectly fine. So if you enjoy activities that involves your body moving, your arms are moving, your legs are moving, toss your hair. And I, and I tell patients, I'm like, Hey, if you want to twerk in the mirror, that is exercise. If you twerk for 15 minutes straight, I guarantee you're going to be exhausted. <laughs> So that is exercise. So the, the ultimate goal is to get the heart rate up and sustained for some time. And you want to do that repeatedly so that you can invoke that positive affect on your endocrine system and on your body. There's just so many benefits to, to exercise as opposed to the number one aesthetic. We just want to look better, but that's where it starts. <laughs> I think most of us who, who do exercise have found that, uh, you know, once you get into it, it becomes pretty self-rewarding that it's yes. if you don't do it and uh, and then you want to push yourself to do other kinds of things and so on. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So there are people who have said, I haven't been exercising, but, you know, I went for a walk and I realized that by the time I was maybe 10 minutes into the walk, I was already out of breath. And the last time they took a walk like that, whether it was around their block, their neighborhood or something, or any activity for that matter, it was probably years ago. And now, now it, it's become real to them. It's been realized that, hey, a few years ago or months ago or some time ago, they realize that their, their physical health has declined because they're, they're less capable of completing what they thought to be simple tasks something such as just riding your bike 15 or 20 minutes. So some people, because we, we all have a little bit of an ego, they're like, what? I, I could do that. <laughs> I can't let that 15-minute ride defeat me. <laughs> so you might want to try a second and third time until you get it. And exactly as you said, that reward system uh, tends to be very beneficial and getting that nice hormonal response makes us feel good as well and it improves our, our mood to know that we've accomplished something. So that's that's always a good thing. Motivation tends to be the, the biggest challenge, but making it fun. Um, and my second tip there is to potentially partner with somebody. So a lot of people don't want to do something that is so painful, uh, such as exercise on their own, but misery loves company. So <laughs> grab a friend, grab your family member, um, someone who's going to go on the walk with you, go hiking or something like that. So not only do you have an excuse to get out there, but you can kill two birds with the same stone. You can It can be a date as opposed to meeting up with your friends to go out to eat. You can meet up with your friends and go hike, do something active. 
Okay. Great ideas. Um, and I'm wondering, you, you work in chronic disease management. Are a lot of these diseases preventable or is it that some people just are disease prone and uh, they're going to get it? But uh, are there things that we can do from a prevention standpoint? Yeah, great question. And when it comes to our health, um, there's a lot of things that we have control of. And then there's the things that we don't have so much control of. So there's a lot of aspects that contribute to the state of our health today. Um, a lot of it is knowledge-based. So how much do you know about health? Do you know what is exercise? How to exercise? Do you have the discipline to maybe do that exercise regularly? Um, then on the dietary side, there tends to be a lot more knowledge deficits. Do you know what wholesome foods are? Like, do you know how to make a meal a little more healthy by reducing the added fats, added salt, added sugar, an example? Like, do you consciously know that maybe choosing more water and less soda more frequently is going to be beneficial to your health. So you have that knowledge aspect. Um, there's a socioeconomic aspect based on where you are, where you live, your access to foods, um, the foods that you can afford, and then your cultural aspects, what you grew up eating. And if you do have access to the foods that you grew up eating, that you enjoy eating, or you just prefer those type of foods. So some of those things we can definitely control. And this is why I mentioned earlier, we try to work with patients within their reach. So I will not simply give everyone a blanket tip. Hey, you should start eating quinoa and, and kale because it's shown to be great for you. Well, what if that person doesn't like quinoa and kale? Or what if that person can't afford it? So these are things that dietitians help um, patients realize and things that we take into consideration as we help them work with their health. So as far as those chronic diseases, a lot of them are preventable, yes, provided that you had been practicing health-forward behaviors for a long time. So if you had not been practicing health-forward behaviors and you were probably living um, a high health-risk lifestyle, such as binge drinking several times a week, um, being mostly sedentary most of your week, probably low intake of any type of fruits and vegetables, probably really high intake of fast foods with uh, those highly palatable foods that are really high in salt, fats, and sugars. If you had that type of high health risk lifestyle, then your chances of developing a chronic disease is going to be far greater than the person who's doing the opposite. So that definitely has an impact on your health. However, there's still some small component that's genetic. And this is why when you go see your doctor, they're going to ask you, has your family had diabetes? Has your family had cancers or one of those other chronic diseases? Uh, some people are just dealt different cards. Um, and if you are familiar with those cards, if you're lucky enough to know your family history of both sides, then maybe you can be more health forward and, and take that proactive approach because you know this is something that kind of runs in your family. You want to make sure that you reduce your risk of developing those diseases if you haven't gotten there yet. So those are things maybe also take into consideration. You've used a couple of terms um, that I want to uh, assume that we're not guessing at. Uh, one is health forward, and then uh, 
least I used it when I introduced <laughs> you the term functional fitness. And, uh, so can you kind of define what, what you mean by health forward and what is functional fitness? Sure. And a lot of these terms, uh, I'd say most people have a similar definition for them. There's no right or wrong, uh, as long as I think the general idea is accomplished. So in my mind, <laughs> and in my practice, health forward means doing things or consciously thinking about your actions, um, doing things that you know it's going to benefit your health. And you will know something benefit your health because we do can, we can use criteria to measure those things. So whether it's um, looking at your blood lipid panel, um, there, there's a particular range that we would like your, say, for example, your cholesterol levels. We want it to be within a certain range. If a particular behavior is making it go out of range, then that's not a health forward behavior. So something like that and so forth. Something like smoking, not very health forward. Doing it multiple times or most of the times does not benefit us. So that would be my health forward. And that would be both in the dietary aspects as well as, well as being um, physically active. And that brings me to functional fitness. So in my training side, I focus on functional fitness. And this is pertaining to the areas of fitness that you use in your body when you're doing your day-to-day. -day. So something as simple as sitting down in a chair and getting up from a chair, that's a very basic movement that's going to be involved in your activities of daily living. Uh, if you think about maybe getting into your car, you have to open the handle and pull it open. If you don't have the strength to pull the door open, then that's poor functional fitness. You have to get in the car. You have to drive, maneuver. If you go to get groceries, you want to be able to carry your groceries, which is going to be somewhere about 10, 15 pounds, maybe unless you're like me, about 20 pound bags of groceries. Um, <laughs> so those day-to-day -day things where you don't need a lot of assistance, you can do it on your own. You can reach something, you can step up, you can go down the stairs, um, those little things. You can get in and out of the shower, the bathroom, bathe, dress on your own without significant difficulty. So there are patients who have had injuries or a history of malnutrition. Um, which means their nutrition had been really poor for some time and significantly affect their bodies. And um, sometimes we see poor functional fitness, even in seniors, because sometimes seniors get uh, comfortable when they retire at home and they may become less active. And now, just like anything else, if you don't use it, you might lose it. So you, they might lose some of their strength that they may have had when they were up and about and working per normal. And I know you know something about that. <laughs> so that just to maintain your independence for as long as possible or to help you work around or to correct um, muscle imbalances around an injury, that's more what I focus on when I do fitness. So that person who was struggling to get off from the floor. In the event of a fall, you want to be able to stand up on your own and call for help if you need to. So if you're unable to do that on your own, and then you might have some poor functional fitness there. So I will work with that person so that we can time how long does it take you to stand up if you were laying flat on the floor. So little things like that, balance, flexibility, we address those concepts. 
Well, that's great. Because uh, I know, uh, just thinking about seniors, I mean, I think if you live long enough, you're going to have some injuries, you're going to have some conditions and so on that affect things. And I, I know, for example, when I had a, a back injury or, or actually it was a, an infection that, uh, that there was a time, a block of time when I couldn't get up from the chair without using the, uh, like the table to support it. And yeah. uh, I think um, obviously that's not the way it's supposed to happen. So I, I mean, I think the, the important thing was to get back to kind of a normal way of doing it. So I, I think that what you just mentioned, I suspect is very important for seniors that they not allow an injury or condition to lead to a bad habit when there are ways of improving functional fitness. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned, injury, some people, when they get an injury, and because of how our healthcare system is structured, you may be allotted X amount of visits with your physical therapist or occupational therapist to help you work around that injury. Um, but oftentimes, it's not enough. Because if the person is injured and they get into the habit of, well, I couldn't move the knee or the leg, so I start staying inside more often, even after they've done maybe 12 visits of physical therapy, and then they stop right there. So you want to continue some of those movements that the health professional has shown you even past that duration that was allotted and just to continue moving so that you don't stiffen up. <laughs> Yeah, I think movement is, I mean, I've spoken with a lot of people and had a lot of guests that are in the fitness space. And I guess movement is really, really important, whether it's formal mm -hmm. exercise or, or walking or whatever it may be. It sounds like movement is very, very critical, especially in the senior years. Uh, let me ask uh, about the other end of the age continuum if we have parents of young children are any any tips or hints uh, as to how you raise a, a health forward child yeah that, that's a good idea so um, currently I don't work with children but I have lots of family that are young god kids you know and most people would know children tend to be picky eaters. <laughs> They don't want condiments. They want this. They don't want that. They only want it that way. If it's not a square or a circle, they don't want it. All of this stuff. I would say a good tip is to introduce them to whole foods early. So it doesn't seem like something strange that you're forcing them to do by the time they're in elementary school. So if during the baby's first foods, you're sampling them on pureed foods, say, you know, you start with your little mashed potatoes, your little sweet potatoes, um, some mashed green beans and those little things. Um, don't let it stop there. Now, the challenge here, I think for most parents, um, at least from what I've heard and in my experiences, is helping the children to get uh, those fresh or wholesome foods as a regular part of their diet while balancing just parenthood on the whole because a lot of these chicken nuggets and, and frozen pizza bagels and all these other cute things that uh, kids conveniently are so familiar with, it's, it's convenient. And that's the biggest thing. It's really, really convenient. So we need to find a way 
to bring together convenience foods and healthier foods. So a lot of these things you can make yourself. So whether it's the pizza bagel, um, whether it's little ice cream bites or even treats, we can make the food an activity, putting together that, that snack or that dish. I have worked with some children in the past uh, middle school, teenagers, fun group, <laughs> 11 to 14, 20 at a time. And in the class, we, we was two sections. We did fitness, but we also did nutrition education. So every time I met with these kids, we had a recipe, a very basic recipe, and they helped me put the dish together. So I brought all the ingredients and all the tools and everything. I'm like, hey, we're going to make this. And everyone was designated a task. And they are, if children are more involved in the preparation of their foods, they're more likely to eat it. And studies have also shown us that, shown us that, um, that are they more likely to eat it, but they will enjoy it. And it's just easier for it to be part of their routine. So they're involved in the preparation. And I would say start it as at the grocery store if possible. So you're taking the kids to the grocery store and you're in the produce section, you're already talking to them about, hey, which apples do you want? You pick out your apples, you pick out your grapes, your strawberries and whatnot. And you know how they can be possessive. Yeah, that's mine. Those are my grapes. They go and eat their grapes. <laughs> Some kids can be like that. Um, so just involving them in the process and making it a regular part of the household. Um, now on the flip side, this is not to say having a happy meal once in a while, having Chuck E. Cheese, what that is, there's nothing wrong with that because they're going to see it. Their friends are going to be doing it, you know, their pairs, they're going to hear about these things. So we we don't want to teach them that necessarily those foods are bad. So we don't want to glorify it vilify food because that's also uh, fostering unhealthy food relationships. But if from the beginning they're involved in it, the majority of foods that they know is, is going to be wholesome things. And so it's going to be foods that you're eating as well. So if you as a parent are eating these wholesome foods, produce is a regular part of the diet. There's always some fruits available. There's usually veggies and at least one meal of the day. If they grow up seeing you do that, then following that example is going to be much easier for them. Well, this has been wonderful. It's been a real wealth of information <laughs> and a real wealth of common sense. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know that a lot of people think in terms of diet and uh exercise and fitness and uh, have grown up with some real negative attitudes around mm -hmm. healthy eating and so on. And again, you made it with so much common sense and, and gave a lot of information. I'm really, really grateful uh, for spending the time. I uh, wish we had more of it, but I'm so glad that you appeared on this podcast. Um, of course. People, I am sure, are quite impressed with what you have to say and uh, will want to know where they can find you. Uh, you know, uh, Yeah, well, if someone wanted to reach me directly, you can email me. I have no problem with that. Uh, my email is my first name, tornia.ths at gmail.com. That's Tornia, T-O-R-N-I-A dot T-H-S at gmail.com. Or you can Google me by my full name uh, if you're interested in any of the, the publications that I participated in or any other of my work. Uh, you can find it there. You can easily find me. Okay. And are you on <laughs> social media too? 
Yes. So on social media, my, my handle is Trifecta Health Solutions. That's my private company. So Trifecta, all spelled normally health solutions. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. And on Facebook, I have Facebook groups where um, I have one that's food, weight, and health. So we talk about things that are related to food, weight, and health. And that includes sometimes a little bit of myth busting. So um, people would just ask me questions there and that, that way I can respond and everyone in the, group, in the group can benefit from that response. So feel free to post questions. I respond as soon as I'm able and I'm, I'm happy to help. Okay, wonderful. And we'll have all this information in the show notes. So if you're driving, you don't have to... Uh, stop mark it down or anything we'll we'll have it all in the show notes and uh, which will be available indefinitely and in the meantime i want to once again thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us tornia and um, look forward to to seeing more from you and uh perhaps visiting with us again i hope so it was definitely my pleasure you're very welcome you guys take care. And so this brings to a close another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, our special guest, Tornia, uh, Anderson Morgan, all kinds of information in the fitness related area of people who are fit and people who aren't fit. Things have been able to uh, pull away information from this presentation. Be back next week for another interesting episode, more information, more ability to help you become the best version of yourself. I hope that you enjoyed the episode enough to tell your friends about it. Hope that you enjoyed it enough to download it, rate it, review it, and uh, be back next week. In the meantime, I hope you visit the Mental Health Gym website for all kinds of additional information in the wellness area. And if we can complement the physical information we got here today with some of the mental fitness information we got at the Mental Health Gym, hopefully that'll give you a good, good start on the way that you handle the week's activities. So until then, uh, this is Dr. Ron Kaiser, wishing you all a good week. Stay safe out there, be back next week, and have yourselves a real good week. <laughs>